Hello everybody, it's James from the TWI Innovation Network um, and welcome to our latest podcast episode. Uh, before we begin, I just wanted to let you know about the TWI Innovation Network Summit that is taking place on the 16th of November uh, this year um, and it's all about innovation um, and tackling our shared industrial challenges collaboratively. It's an event for uh, twin members as well as TWI uh, members and uh, from anyone from the UK to Europe from around the world as long as you're in, in interested in innovation we'd love you to be there there's also a great opportunity uh, for clinics with the technology management team uh, for those interested in public funding so be sure to visit our website to find out more or visit the TWI Innovation Network LinkedIn page you can also find information there now, uh, back to the podcast. This week's episode, as we said, is on digitalization and advanced manufacturing, specifically integrated manufacturing. And it's a conversation that took place earlier this year between Sabanchi's University's uh, Professor Bartinkorch and Chem Selshuk, their business development head at uh, the Innovation Network. Together, they discuss uh, integrated manufacturing and how it will impact the role of people and machines across uh, the um, manufacturing factory sector. Um, it will also look at the potential challenges to the workforce and what this will mean for said factories. Um, together, they also touch upon uh, mass production versus mass customization. And we'll also look at the future trends for the field of additive manufacturing and, and the skills that graduates particularly should be focusing on. All that is to come and we really hope you enjoy the show as ever please be sure to share with us your feedback um, and to like and subscribe to this podcast it is really good to hear what you have to say on the podcast because it helps us make better shows in the future um, so with further ado i'll hand you over to chem I'd like to say hello again to, to Professor Bahatin Koch, um, our guest today for uh, the Twin uh, Podcast, um, third part of the series, um, Digitalization for Advanced Manufacturing. And uh, in, in this third part, we, we wanted to touch on uh, the concept of an integrated approach. And what about people when it comes to digital manufacturing with all these automated activities happening around. So uh, welcome on board, uh, Bahadin. Uh, if you'd like to briefly introduce yourself um, uh, and then we can start our discussion. Thanks very much. All right. Uh, thank, thank you, Gemma. It is, again, uh, uh, nice to talk to you and see you. And I hope that everyone is uh, safe and healthy. And, and thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, and I'm really honored to talk about this uh, digitalization uh, and, and thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you. Uh, so Professor Bartin Koch is, uh, 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 is from the Integrated Manufacturing Center of Sabanji University in Istanbul. Um, it's a well-established university and one of the top universities in the country in Turkey and they have a dedicated center when it comes to integrated manufacturing. So it's, it's very um, on the topic, I would say. So uh, I was hoping we could use this opportunity to have a conversation on the subject. 
And, uh, and I thought about the following points to which perhaps we could um, start our dialogue with. So my first point about it is um, integrated manufacturing. You know, what does it mean technologically and for people? If you would like to elaborate on that, please. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so um, obviously for us, integrated means that integration of um, different materials, different processes, and integration of uh, uh, different uh, types of people. Uh, so th that's like a, what we are actually uh, talking about integration. Uh, let me just give an example here at the center, maybe just briefly talk about uh, our center here, Sabah University Integrated Manufacturing Center here. Uh, so uh, the center was uh, founded in uh, uh, just roughly um, uh, three years old. I mean, after like installation and everything, I mean, when it's active, probably two, three years old. So it's a very relatively new uh, center. Uh, but uh, here we are uh, in a hybrid system where we can, we have very strong research uh, we have uh, very uh, good uh, academic uh, faculty members uh, phd students and also postdocs but at the same time we have also very strong um, uh, technical people so it's kind of an integration of two different uh, parts so we take a like, very strong industrial side uh, technical people and also we have very strong uh, researchers, academicians, uh, so we kind of integrate them. So that doesn't mean that like you put two different people, I mean, two different set of people together and then integrate them. So it's a challenge, but a good thing is that we can actually, in, in the center, uh, we can actually uh, develop very strong research uh, from a technology readiness level from one to uh, three. But at the same time, with the very strong technical capabilities, like a closer to industry, we can actually take those research and then advance it to higher technology readiness level of, uh, say, seven until the serial production. So that, that's actually the strength of the, the center. Uh, that's the, the people side. When we talk about the, uh, the material uh, and the processes, uh, integration actually comes from uh, different types of material, different types of process, integrating them. Uh, so when we look at our strength, our core uh, uh, areas, we are uh, strong in terms of the composite manufacturing, composite materials, at the same time, additive manufacturing. So we use um, uh, different processes, different materials, to combine the, the, for example, composite and the metals uh, processes or metal materials so that we can actually get better improvements. The same thing. So if you mm -hmm. have the only composite materials, you, you only achieve certain advantages coming with the composite material. That's also integration of the different types of material as well. But when we integrate with like a metals or others like a, electronic devices, electronics, and actually makes them uh, different functionalities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when, 
when we say integrated manufacturing um, uh, in public, does it mean people will have the benefit of working with machines differently? Or uh, would, there, would they need to be there at all? Does it mean a shop floor of machines only? So uh, when, when something is integrated, a facility, does that mean less reliance on people? What's your views on that? Okay, I, I mean, there are a lot of like a talks about digitalization industry 4.0 or digital manufacturing. Uh, and and they think that like everything will be digital, like uh, there's no need for humans and uh, people. But I I, I believe that uh, we will still have the people, but different uh, roles. I mean, uh, in in this uh, digital manufacturing environment, uh, we will have the people interacting with the digital environment, like a digital processes. Uh, uh, either through the know-how transfer, for example, uh, uh, training the artificial intelligence or artificial uh, or the machine learning to actually teach the, the machines. Uh, so we need to use them. So, so we need to use the people's knowledge and know-how. So we have to transfer them. Uh, at the same time, there are things that machines or the system cannot do by itself. So, so some of those decision making has to be uh, put onto the people, and this actually will will continue even though we have the decision. I, I I apologize. There is some kind of an answer at the same time, but uh, don't worry. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, so you feel that it's actually uh, you know there will be still. An interaction between uh, humans and machines, and and the know-how is is the uh, key factor in keeping that engagement from people. Um, that's what I understand. Yes, so, yes. if we were to um, so if we take it out to industry, this approach of integrated manufacturing, um, what does it mean for supply chain? Uh, for example, you know, a tier supplier to automotive uh, sector. Let's say they have 200 people workforce with a three-shift manufacturing, producing parts from material uh, to manufacture to quality control, you know, checking and inspecting them. A setting like that, how can they be more integrated, you think? Uh, what can they do for a more further integrated approach? Or is it have they got everything uh, the way it is at the moment? Okay, so I mean, again, people when when they talk about digitalization, uh, we already have the digital. Work. I mean, we have the automation, we have the robots, we have the editing manufacturing, now all like a cybersecurity. We are there, but I think when we talk about uh, real digital manufacturing, we need to think about the holistically. So there has to be some integration of those separate items. So. If we have the, the actual digital network, digital suppliers, digital, I mean, every, all the suppliers and every, all the tiers actually connected with the digital network. And so let's say that if you um, have need something that actually can be directly pass it to the, uh, the suppliers. So, so you can actually, uh, yet really benefit of the digital one. So you can actually make it uh, on-demand manufacturing. Uh, so the stocks and other things can actually uh, can be avoided and the warehouses, other things like a supply chain 
management can can be avoided with with real holistic uh, implementation of the digitalization. Uh, one of the advantage will be is that uh, right now, uh, for example, I'm in Turkey, you are in UK, so we have different time uh, lines. So when we have the again big connected everything like with the digital uh, factories, digital communications, um, different time zones actually work can work on the different. Part, but we still have the same parts that actually we will be working on. So that will be the big advantage where we don't have to worry about uh, the geographical borders or separation with the time zones. So the, the suppliers can actually work on simultaneously uh, on, on, the, on the parts. And especially uh, we are moving from the mass production to more mass customization individual uh, products. So this could be an important. Uh, for example, uh, normally, I mean, you get more benefit if you produce uh, millions of parts, mass production, and so you have the warehouse, you collect them, uh, you, know, you have several suppliers, again, uh, they send it to you. But if we have this, uh, again, digital manufacturing, if we have less number of uh, parts, but more mass customization, then we might have the suppliers everywhere or even um, a small shop with several like uh, additive manufacturing equipment can produce those parts, again, uh, just next to you. So those actually, uh, can actually change the total thinking of, of the uh, classical uh, production and also the supply factory, chain. Factory environments. Yeah, factory environments. So that, that, I think that, that will also change. But this actually requires really uh, holistic approach where we have total integration of, of these uh, networks together with mm -hmm. this environment. So, so a setting like that, a factory like that, you have many around your university in Istanbul and surrounding um, local regions, uh, many suppliers to automotive, aerospace, construction. So how, what does that mean for the workforce? So could they, could they keep their workforce as it is? Or does that mean they have to make some uh, structural changes whereby certain parts of production line will have to be fully uh, uh, mechanized and just perhaps leaving the uh, know-how based um, uh, workforce um, fully occupied. Do, do, do you see any impact there or, or can they just carry on with their workforce as it is, but perhaps just, um, um, you know, be open to different networks? How, 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 what would that mean for the factory? Um, so, Again, as I mentioned at the beginning, I don't think that we, we will have uh, people like uh, we will we will not need people. We, we will definitely need people, but the roles will will change. Uh, uh, right now, we still see a lot of uh, handmade, even though there are a lot of automation, but still a lot of like uh, human input, and that actually causes a lot of mistakes, errors uh, in the production and manufacturing. So the, we, we need to um, 
reduce those uh, errors. Like we need to have quality control that actually will uh, have, uh, we will check the, the parts automatically. We will need to have uh, like a preventive maintenance uh, uh, that actually can be done automatically. So those will actually improve the production, but we will need to still have the people, first of all, like those algorithms or those processes actually has to be developed or knowledge has to be transferred. So we still need people. And also we need to have people for programmers, like operators, VR or AR operators of some of those machines. So we will definitely need people but with the different roles, uh, it will not be the same as uh, currently what we have right now, but actually this will take a longer time. So perhaps more skilled, you, you know, high, higher skilled um, stuff uh, yes. that can so uh, work, work on the software. Old. Yeah, I see, I see. Um, so if we, if we uh, now, look at this integrated approach from a uh, engineering and, and materials and manufacturing point of view. Um, so uh, you think is, this is an area for manufacturing or material science or mechanical engineering or robotics? Uh, how is integrated manufacturing actually achieved? Do you, do you simply combine these in a way? Is there an ideal formula for this combination? You know, 20% materials, 30% manufacturing, 30% computing science. You know, how do you see these um, themes coming together for perhaps an ideally uh, and you know most optimized integrated approach when it comes to manufacturing? Um, as I said, I think all those people will be still needed, uh, but uh, it, it, I mean. We still have the, I mean, uh, SIM, Computer Integrated Manufacturing. It was like a term in, uh, we have been using in 1980s, right? So it actually started in 1980s. So th the idea was that instead of like having um, uh, design and manufacturing separately, have computers to, to connect them. So I think this was, I mean, again, 1980, but it's it's the same thing that's actually changing right now. So we are moving, again, when we talk about digitalization, uh, we need to have, um, uh, again, different aspects of the manufacturing has to be digitally integrated. I think the difference here is that I mean, we still have, like, a, right now, kind of, we, we still have the uh, the CAD, CAM, computer design, computer manufacturing, that's uh, integrated. But but I think the main main difficulty is that uh, those has to be integrated like uh, simultaneously. So everything has to work uh, together uh, in, in this uh, system. So in that case, we still have those people. I mean, material science, robotics, and the uh, manufacturing engineers, uh, but again, at the different roles right now, I mean, after we have the setup, I mean, the system is built up, we need those uh, experts and we need those, but uh, I think the roles will, will change. So we will have different types of uh, engineers, cyber security engineers. Uh, uh, we will have like, uh, uh, 
robotic engineering. We still have it, but we will have different aspects of the robotic engineering. We will have the uh, integration engineers, uh, big data or analytic related engineers, augmented related, uh, augmented re reality or cloud computing. Uh, so those type of things again will change, but uh, I think we, we still need those people uh, initially in different roles. I mean, it will change in the future. Mm. So, I mean, when you look at the university, uh, typically in a university engineering with an engineering faculty, you have a, a material science um, a program, a mechanical engineering program. You know, traditionally, uh, you have a split of subjects. So, um, I guess the graduate that comes out at the front end for an integrated manufacturing approach either is a mechanical engineer. Uh, or a materials engineer, or um, in some cases, uh, if they've done a welding-related program, a welding engineer, um, or, or computer engineer, you know. Um, but some of these um, latest topics like big data, uh, augmented reality, IoT, cybersecurity. Um, so it looks like uh, those are the skills that somebody has to hone in on um, after their fundamental graduation, you know, they become a mechanical engineer and depending on the sector of activity, perhaps they're gonna branch into a little bit of robotics or a little bit of data science, analytics, etc. How How do you see that when you look at your activities? I mean, um, is it still the same? You, you, you start with a mechanical engineer, uh, you know, and then trying to develop that into a, perhaps more tailored um, combined engineering mindset. How do you see that? Okay, so I, I think the, the Savage University is a very good example for that one. Uh, uh, here, I mean, again, differently from the other universities, we don't have any departments. We have programs. So the reason that we have programs, not the departments, so that students actually can uh, be in one program, let's say, uh, industrial engineering and can still take some courses from different uh, programs so that uh, you can they can differentiate themselves I think again in the future we, we need this type of uh, workforce or we need this type of people because uh, you could be we cannot have again the boundaries where okay so you are mechanical engineering you will only work on this one your computer science Major, you can only work on this one. So we need to have mechanical engineers that can understand uh, the, the all the mechanics and all the let's say manufacturing related topics. But but at the same time, should be able to like understand the uh, data analytics or like how do you collect the data from the um, manufacturing equipment, like as the sensors and everything, and how do you actually uh, make sense of those information uh, uh, make make like a those uh, information and analyze them and then convert them into know-how so knowledge so that actually can be used to improve the processes so when we look at it one there is no one single type of measure that will actually address all those so that's why we need uh, again, uh, people can do, uh, for example, mechanical engineering, 
Nose CS and IE, uh, and also, for example, totally different biology, uh, mm-hmm. so that actually can work on maybe different aspects, uh, bio manufacturing or other aspects of the, those uh, uh, of those manufacturing. So I think that that's like a good example for our university and Sawan University. We have uh, this uh, different interdisciplinary. Uh, programs here. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's a little bit different to a traditional, uh, different from a traditional university that you know there are normally typical faculties. You go in a faculty and you focus on that. In your case, you're saying uh, there's a more fluid arrangement and selective courses that uh, takes one individual and and uh, with the interest they can develop their skills across several disciplines uh, by attending simply programs throughout their study. And come out as a combined uh, knowledge. That is interesting. Yeah. So um, that and and then students can actually select those uh, courses. So they are not restricted to only certain courses. They can just take courses from different uh, fields. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, where do you see them? These these uh, individuals uh, uh, going in. You know, in which subjects they demonstrate their skills? Do they do they choose to explore further studies at your establishments, which is uh, which has got multiple centers and activities, as I understand, or do they go straight into industry? What is your uh, observation there? Uh, so um, when we look at our graduates, I mean, some of them actually stays. We have several like graduates at our center that's working on different uh, research projects. Uh, some go to other countries for graduate uh, studies or stay here some also into the industry but i believe uh, i mean it, it's a very unique educational system here uh, and i think they 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 benefit a lot at the beginning when they are taking the courses or uh, when they are taking their degrees, they may not realize, but when they graduate, when they go into industry, they benefit a lot of those interdisciplinary studies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's very, that's very encouraging. Um, so, Martin, um, if you know, we talked about integrated manufacturing and digitalization approach, and etc. What is the latest trend that you see in this? Uh, you know integrated manufacturing with digitalization what what is the latest trend you think is out there and that um, people should um, uh, develop skills on um, I, I as I said I think when when we look at the um, uh, digitalization digital manufacturing I think one of the important aspect is the data digital I mean the, the data is the, the key aspect here. And, and I think that there is already big need and big growth inside in, into this area where uh, how do we actually uh, take the data and then make sense out of it? How do you use this data to teach like machine learning or use AI, artificial intelligence to actually act almost like a human being? And this is getting important. But I think one of the Thing that is actually uh, missing from the like, manufacturing side is how do we collect this data? Uh, how how do we actually we have the census? It's available, but mm-hmm. how how do you 
put these sensors, uh, this could be a camera, like a, a, a temperature sensors or, or other types of sensors. And how do we actually integrate with the machinery so that we can make them smart? Uh, and, and how do we collect them? How do we fuse this information? This is also important. And if you look at the one data scientist or the computer science major, they will, they will not know. They know how to write algorithms, but no. we need people that actually can understand manufacturing, can understand, again, the, the sensors, uh, and also be able to, like, fuse them. I think that's something that uh, is important and getting, like, again, the data analytics and, again, AI, all those uh, important, but I think uh, we need to also have, uh, how do we get those information? How do we fuse those information? And, and that's actually will be important. One, one aspect is the uh, also, um, as I mentioned, mass customization or uh, make parts uh, per uh, customer or customer needs. So this can change. So instead of just like making millions of parts, we make like a one, two parts. So that's why I think that's the reason that I'm actually in additive manufacturing or or similar technologies that's getting more important because uh, normal mass production will be not really very expensive. So mm -hmm. the additive manufacturing or uh, or similar technologies that you can make very complex uh, geometries, uh, complex parts just uh, for a specific to a customer. That's actually also the important aspect, I think, uh, this is getting more important as uh, we have, can see from the, those uh, publications of the research areas. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Uh, so if you mentioned additive manufacturing and some uh, customized uh, techniques, um, in, in your view, which sector is most ready for this for this type of uh, uh, you know made to measure? Uh, uh, designed to make uh, even on a small number scale? Uh, in, in, in your view, which industry sector is perhaps the most available and ready to um, embed this approach in their activities? Would it be aerospace, you think, or could it be um, high-end automotive or even medical? What's your view on that? So I think currently, still, until we change from mass production to mass customization, uh, in current settings, the additive manufacturing is most suitable for uh, less number of uh, part manufacturing. So in that case, uh, medical sector is also, uh, I mean, uh, implants, for example, uh, patient-specific implants. Um, that's actually one area that actually commonly use. Uh, another one, aerospace, for example, we don't make um, millions of airplanes. Uh, so, the, because of the number of parts are less, number of products less in our space industry, there's also a lot of use in that industry because also um, uh, there's a very strict requirements uh, and different like uh, uh, properties that is expected and complexities that expected. So, aerospace industry is also important. Uh, in automotive, it is still not suitable because of the again the volume. Mm -hmm. uh, but we should not forget that uh, the indirectly additive manufacturing can be used for making 
uh, molds. Uh, for example, you can have uh, conformal cooling channels that's actually made, which may not be possible with the other manufacturers. So you can make molds and then you can make again uh, high volume production. So those can be still used in automotive industry. We, we always think about uh, cars that we see everywhere, but again, we are also moving in the direction uh, uh, individualized mobility, like uh, e-bikes or scooters. And or even in, in the future, we might have like uh, in, uh, air cars. So those are again, uh, will be, um, also, I mean, can use the benefit of the editing manufacturing as well. Mm -hmm. So some future products and um, where there is less volume but high specific requirements yes. um, for for this integrated approach. Um, well, thanks very much, Bart. I think it was a, a, a good insight to what's happening in, in the area. And uh, I really appreciate your views on the uh, skills development side and, you know, how people can actually prepare themselves for an integrated manufacturing uh, professional and, um, and and activities in industry or academia. Um, uh, thanks very much for your time. Um, so for all those listening, this was our third part in the series of digitalization for advanced manufacturing. And um, Professor Bartin Koch uh, joined us from Sabanji University. Uh, please do check uh, check it out. Uh, we have a joint activity as well as part of our innovation network, and hopefully some of these concepts will be applied into projects. Uh, thanks, thanks very much for your time, Martin. Thank you very much, Jan. I, I, I really enjoyed again talking with you, and 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 thank you very much for the invitation and opportunity to talk about this important topic. And I would like to thank everyone for listening to us, and and if they have any questions. Uh, they can also reach us uh, through the web pages that we have the uh, common actually uh, digital entertainment and advancement action center. Thank you very much. Thank you. All the best. And with that, we've come to the end of the episode. Thank you very much to everyone for listening and especially thanks to our thanks to Professor Bartin Koch for your time from Sabanchi University. Uh, thank you for your time, like I said, and also thank you for your expertise. We really appreciate your contribution to this podcast. To find out more about Sabanchi University or the Teelebrew Innovation Network, you can find links in this podcast description uh, where you will also find information about the TWI Innovation Network Summit, uh, which, as I said earlier, is taking place on the 16th of November. It's free to attend, so you can register online via our website or via our LinkedIn event page on uh, social media. Uh, thank you to everyone again for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you and having you back for future episodes. Thank you once again to everyone for listening and goodbye.